welcome to the QAV podcast. This is episode 442. This week on the free episode, we'll be talking about AIS starting to get coverage, the COG chart again, our stock tip performance, our portfolio update, Charlie Munger speaking at the Sewn Hearts and Minds conference this year. We'll be talking about the SXL chart, the ASX 200 average price to cash flow and how it compares with our uh, uh, portfolio. Uh, Lumber is a three-point trendline buy again, changes to the checklist, copper is a buy again, and our stock of the week, the drill down that Tony does this week is SFR, Sandfire Resources. So without any further ado, let's get into it. Welcome back to QAV TK. This is episode 4-2. We're recording this on the 18th of October, 2021. How are you, my friend? Good, Greg. Really good. Beautiful day in Sydney. Lots of people walking around without their masks on. That's <laughs> I was say, how would you know? Now. Aren't you still people. staying? Oh, okay. You're not staying completely sequestered? No. We'd like to offer our official QAV congratulations to your new premier for the imminent birth of his seventh child. Really? I had He's announced that. today his wife is pregnant with their seventh child. Uh, I would say I'm sure the Pope's very happy, but I think he's one of these ones that probably doesn't recognize the Pope. I think he's a pre-Vatican II. Most of the Catholics with lots and lots of children, in my experience, are pre-Vatican II Catholics, and they don't, tend not to recognize the Pope. Everything after Vatican II in the 60s, uh, not legit. That's why my grandfather no. left the church. You know that? My grandfather, when they changed the mass from Latin to English, he was mm-hmm. like, well, if you can change that, you can change anything. It's all bullshit, obviously. And he just left. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's like I haven't been following it. Right. Welcome back to the history of the Catholic Church, everybody. <laughs> seven kids, though. I mean, that's a wow. What a broodmare. That's incredible. It's yeah. Like, mm. Yeah. Anywho. So there are Catholics out there who don't recognize the Pope. Yes. Yeah, they think it's it, it's sort of splintered after Vatican II in the 60s. Anyway, let's not get into that. Let's talk about AIS, Tony. It's always nice, isn't it, when one of our stocks starts to get some love from the analysts. Stock Doctor make AIS a star growth stock this week. It did, and it's always nice when we get ahead of it and, and uh, we identify a stock and then it becomes a star stock because that's... A, it's validation, but B, it generally encourages the stock doctor subscribers to have a look and some of them will buy it, which will knock the price up a little bit. Yeah. So, yeah, it's good. We got in first. And uh, yeah. I just wanted to also declare that last week I said AS was a, an iron ore gold miner, but it's not. It's, a, of course, a copper. It went off the buy list because copper had a bit of a conniption and became a sell there for a month or two, and now it's back on because copper has ticked up again into a buy situation. Well, I sold my AIS shares, I think, a few weeks ago. So you can buy back in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. We'll see. Maybe. Okay. See how they look in my buy list this week. What else? Uh, let's look at the COG chart again, Tony. COG. Uh-huh. I know we talked about this recently, last week, maybe even. We did. I'm not sure we talked about it on the show. We may have talked about it during one of our catch ups on putting out the buy right. list. But anyway, yeah. Tell me when you look at the COG chart, it's a tricky one. I'm not sure if we have a name for this kind of chart yet, but 
the way I read it, it's sort of been going through a nice little spiky period since May mm-hmm. of 2020. Peaked in August, has come back. So it's, it'd be a Josephine. I wouldn't be buying it right now. But in terms of drawing the byline, kind of have to go back. But I don't know how to go back with this one because I get the sell line. I get a sell sort of around about September 2020, I think. And I'm not sure I can find a peak, a second peak after September 2020. Second trough? No, peak to put after the sell. When I'm drawing the sell line, I've got L1 as May 2020. I'm doing L2 Mm -hmm. as July 2020. It would have a different L2 now, but that would have been the Mm -hmm. L2. And then it would have breached in sort of, I don't know, late August, September 2020. Mm -hmm. And I can't find a second peak to draw a second byline through since then, but it's been going basically straight up since then, more or less. That's why I can't find a second peak until... August 2021, which seems ridiculous. I would say it's has, I could draw through that, but then it's below its byline when it's been going, you know, consistently up until recently. Except for when it fell back from that peak. So it's not a bad peak to use. But yeah, this is one of the ones that we've, or that I've been struggling with, all the ones that came out of the COVID cough and they've gone up at like a 45 degree angle. And they've sometimes, you know, cut back through their cell line and gone back above it, all that kind of stuff. So you're drawing by and cell lines consistently. But I agree with you on how you would have drawn that first sell line, but then you would have drawn a buy line after that using January 17 and probably H2 February 2020. And then you would have had across the graph around about or well, sometime during November 2021, right? Yeah, but and that then, H2 so is – sorry, go on. And then you would have had to have redrawn the sell line, but that buy comes after it. And I would have used left L1 the same, used October 2020 as L2, which means that funny thing happens in December 2020, it just sneaks below, the graph just sneaks below the sell line. So that's the sell. The next buy line is where the current graph is drawn with H2 way up at August 2021. But isn't our process to make H2 after the last sell? Correct. Okay, so we have L2 as uh, July 2020. It breaches in August. The H2 of February 2020 is not right, right? We need another H2 that comes after August 2020. Yeah, and the next peak is August 2021. Yeah, so that buy, if you're using February 2020 as H2 and then it has a buy in October, that's no good because it's already had a sell before that. Yeah, that's right. So it's nullified. So then we just need to look at August 2021, which means that it's below its buy line. Correct. Which means, sorry, it means if we, if we were looking at this in October 2020, a year ago, it's gone from 65 cents up to $1.48 and now back to $1.38, so up 100-something percent, we wouldn't have been able to buy in because we wouldn't have been able to find an H2. Yeah, we would, have, we would have bought in just around that time and then we would have sold it again straight away in December 2020 and we would have been out of the market since then and missed out on all that upgrade. So I, I agree with you. It's an anomaly. So you've got two things you can do. You can apply the rules and sit it out or you can fudge the sell line and stick with that buy that uses H2 at February 2020 and stay in it. Right. Funny thing is I did buy it back in July 2021 and I've got no idea how I justified that <laughs> at the time. <laughs> I own it, and yeah. it, it's basically you know sort of back to what I paid for it now. But right, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how I drew the byline back then, but I did somehow. I'm guessing you probably used December 2020 as the L2 
So it, it's if you use that, it hasn't been a sell all the way during that upgrade, during the upturn in the share price. Yeah, but December 2020 is not a valid... Well, hold on, L2? Okay, possibly. Yeah, I may have done that right. Hmm. Yeah. Okay, so it's, it's a tricky one. Yeah, it's a tricky one, yep. And I'd be inclined to let it slide. I'd be inclined to use December 2020 as L2 and really yeah. buying it. You're buying it and getting all that upside. But as you say, yeah, I wouldn't right. be buying it now. It's a bit of a Josephine at the moment. Yeah, hmm. of course, uh, you know, I bought it at the peak, so you're welcome, people. <laughs> So people are paying people attention to what our, Cameron buys. <laughs> people should look at our declaration pages. They can work out what to sell. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, by the way, we did uh, do an update to our trading policy on our disclosure page on our website today. So not much of an update, but uh, just for people, if they're wondering to avoid any sense of us pumping and dumping stocks that are our stock tips of the week. We've put some careful wording up there, so go and have a read. But obviously, we want to make sure that no one thinks that's what we're doing. So we're going to lengths to be as clear and transparent about when we will and won't buy and sell. So there can't be any accusations of that at any point in the future. Speaking of our stock tips, uh, they're looking pretty good, Tony. The stock tips so far. Yeah, I saw that. They are, yeah. They're they're bouncing back. So And and it's, um, it's... well, I think I got an average return of about three and a half percent, and it's only been stock recommendations have only been going for a month or two, so it's not not too bad. Um, I think it will improve as we get sort of fifteen stocks in there, because when you're just having only one or two or a small number of stocks, they can be very volatile, and the total return can bounce around. But uh, right. as we've added more recommendations, I think it's starting to settle down now, and overall, do the right thing and, and head upwards. IS is up eleven percent today. God damn it. Why do I follow the rules? Thanks for selling. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Charlie's speaking at Hearts and Minds, Tony. You going to go? Yes. Oh, well, you can't go. It's going to be a virtual conference. Oh, yeah, well, he's virtual. 500 bucks. Charlie Munger, that is, for people wondering who Charlie is. Charlie Munger, Warren Buffett's business partner for for 150 years, is live streaming a talk to the Hearts and Minds conference in a couple of months. Yeah, people don't know about Hearts and Minds. So S-O-H-N, Hearts and Minds, is a listed investment company, Yalik, which has been very successful at basically holding a conference every year, getting top fund managers to give one stock tip each and then putting it into a fund. They do also have a few fund managers who add a few other stocks into the mix, so it's not going to be too volatile, but I think the majority of the picks are from the, the convention, the Hearts and Minds convention. So after Charlie talks, they'll have their stock specialists come on and make their pitch, and then they'll read, they'll sell all the stocks in the, the listed investment company, or most of the stocks in the LIC, and then they'll buy the ones that are recommended. And uh, they donate some of their profits, if not all their profits, to the... Um, I think what they do is actually donate the fund manager fees. So instead of charging, having fund managers who um, charge a fee, they, the fees get donated to uh, principally the, I think it's the Victor Chan Cardiac Institute from memory, but anyway, um, medical research. Right. So well, yeah, so good. they have a conference that's coming up. It's, it'll be, it'll surely be covered on the front page of the Fin Review. So for the last couple of years, they've had some really big international investors on, but um, it hasn't been worth paying the $5,000 to go along because the Fin Review pretty much reports what's said on the and you can save the money and just read it there. Right. Yeah. Any predictions on what Charlie Munger's going to say? No, I don't know what he's going to say. I'm interested to, I'm really interested to read. I may pay the 500 bucks. It's a virtual conference this year. 
So it's a tenth of what the price normally is to go. And, you know, to be fair to them, donate the proceeds from the conference to charity as well. So it does go to a good cause. Worth going just to see if he calls Bitcoin rat poison and uh, what kind of response he gets from the audience. Yeah, rat poison square. (laughs) Yeah, well, hopefully he takes some questions. I like Charlie. He's a really smart guy and he's no nonsense. He's no, he just, just cuts through the bullshit. I've also, I mean, it's possible that he is interviewed and just gives one word answers too, because I've seen Charlie do that. He, he might toy with the interviewer. I don't know who's going to. I think the, one of the um, fund managers in Australia is the interviewer. And mm. apparently they catch up every week on some kind of super investors conference call. So he must know Charlie well enough to know what questions to ask, get a good response. Right. Well, they should just get Becky to interview him. The blonde him. from CNN who does it? Yeah, Becky Quick. Yeah. <laughs> Becky Quick. <laughs> yeah, just get a blonde. I think that's the secret to doing an interview with Charlie and Warren. Right. Let's talk about SXL, Sixel, if you can. What about it? Well, have a look at the Sixel chart. Tell me what you think of the Sixel chart, Southern Cross Media Group. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if we've talked about this recently, but- it's, I wasn't sure when I was looking at it this morning what to do with it. According right, to my notes. jumped a lot. Yep. Well, yeah, it's plummeted a lot. So Southern Cross Media Group, you know, was trading up around $13.50 July 2019 uh, by the COVID cough. It had dropped down to a buck thirty, and now it's up around $2.20. I'm not sure what the history of this is, but that's a long flat period for a media company. I'm assuming something's gone on there. Yeah. So again, not that familiar with this one from memory. It's uh, now Southern Cross. I'd have to go and have a look. Let me just do a quick look because it's got there a feeling are, it's the old Macquarie network, isn't it? Uh, I'm not sure, but it owns Triple M, the Hit Network, those sorts of products, some sort of commercial radio, AM, FM, and digital. I think this is probably the, the podcast effect that <laughs> I've been predicting for 17 years is finally kicking in here. Well, possibly, but I think it's more likely to be that uh, I'm really testing my memory here. I think it may have lost a regional television license or something like that. Right. It may have even restructured, but the restructuring should have um, been taken up in the, in the, sorry, when I say restructuring, I mean consolidated its shares, but that should have been taken up. So yeah, right. I'm not sure. Not that familiar with it to talk authoritatively. Oh, it's the old Osterio network. That's what it is. Osterio, right. Yeah. So it's rebranded. Mm. I'd have to go back and do some research, Cam. Sorry. That's all right. Have you looked at its chart recently? What would you do when you're looking at the chart? Would you say, oh, I have to go do more research? Yeah, but I'd also look at – the first thing I'd do is use a three-year chart when, when it looks like this, yeah. whether – there's been a big drop. Looking at the three-year chart, you can certainly draw a byline. There's a high price in July 19, 13, 40. Then you got 12, 35, September 19. So you can draw a line along there, which will give you a buy price sometime in around uh, early 2021. And then for the sell price, we've got L1 either at April 2020 or September 2020, depending on whether they're 8% difference, just looking at that. So I think that's going to make L1 September 2020 and then L2 is going to be probably May 2021. So I think it's a buy based on this. Well, I gave it a positive sentiment, but I got a score of 0.9. So it didn't hit my list, but um, 
I just wanted to know if you would actually look at this three-year chart or not. That's what I did this morning. Why don't you use as H1 and H2? I've got H1 as September 19 and H2 as January 2020. Yeah, that looks fine. So you're saying that um, September 2019 is with an 8% of July. Yeah, it is. Yeah. 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 So start that one and just take it straight down. Yeah, Yeah. okay. So you would look at a three-year chart on that Mm -hmm. one. Yep. Okay. Yeah, when I see those big drops, I I try and I don't want to go to a one year chart, or we don't get an option for a two year chart in Stock Doctor. You get an option for a one year chart, but that's quite a small trend. You could use it if you wanted, like if you yeah. if it was scoring really well. Um, you just have a look at the one year one year charts. Yeah, it's probably not a buy on the one year chart. Oh yeah, it would be because you've got a flat top. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm just but I'd use the three. I started to go back and look at their uh, announcements, mm-hmm. going back to around that. Time of that big plummet, sort of early 2020. I mean, I can't really... There was a pause in trading in March 2020, trading halt that dropped by 32%, Ooh, which was be, COVID yeah. cough. Well, that was COVID cough, right? Everyone oh, okay. sort yeah, yeah. of did that. Then it did a voluntary suspension in March 2020. Capital structure and operational initiatives it announced in April 2020. Everyone was doing that, right? Raising money. It just did in April 2020, which was... It announced a completion of institutional offer and its share price dropped another 30%. Yeah, Weird. right. So I don't think the – we have to probably go to the AFX. I don't think the announcements are going back far enough to help. Oh, they are. You have to just go to the date range and Stock Doctor and say last five years. Oh, gotcha. I can see yeah, them. Sorry. Yep. Let me have a look then. So we really want to know what find out what happened around the end of 2019, don't we? Well, I'm not sure if it's then or, or sort of early 2020, but interesting, <laughs> they had to send a, a notice to the stock exchange about what's going on with their share price in May 2020. Oh, no, I guess it, it went up dramatically for a bit from 14.5 cents to 25.5 cents. They had to do a please explain to the ASX and they said, no, we got no idea what's going on. But I'm wondering why it plummeted and never came back. I mean, most of these guys came back after they plummeted yeah. after the COVID cough. Yeah, right. Yeah, so there was a trading update in October 19, which was received poorly. Right. Oh, that would have been around about the time we launched this podcast. I think that's probably (laughs) what happened there. October 2019, yeah, trading update and earnings guidance. They dropped by 18%. Mm. Yeah, okay. Revenues were down. Well, radio screwed. I think that's what the lesson is here. It's definitely the trading isn't it? But why? um, Okay, so what's the capital? Let's see. Uh, let's not spend too much time on it. doesn't matter. Yeah. I do vaguely recall Osteria restructuring, but I can't recall what was the kickoff for it. But that's what's caused the problem. Yeah. Well, that was COVID cough, I'm assuming. They'd already had bad results and then the COVID cough happened and looks yeah, like they right. haven't recovered share price-wise anyway. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, walking me through that. Uh, did you see Stephen's email to us uh, this morning about the ASX 200 price to cash flow averages? Uh, no, I haven't. Sorry. Let Mondays me read it to very, you. And- Mondays are very busy prepping for the show. Let me read it to you and uh, you can wing it. Hey guys, thought you might find this interesting. It's the price to cash flow averages for the ASX 200 going back five years, as high as 13.5 in 2017 and as low as six at the bottom of the COVID cough. I was interested in it to validate what a minimum of seven in QAV represented versus the average. So right now we're buying stocks at least at a 30% discount to the market on this metric. 
and sometimes closer to a 50% discount. And obviously, when an individual stock is even lower than seven, it's even more discounted. Very interesting to see what kind of a margin of safety we're building in versus the overall market, I thought. Uh-huh. Thoughts on that? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, yes, I guess the, the research would have to be done to see if we, rather than use a hard number like seven, whether we should be raising it or lowering it, depending on what the market does. So like, you know, I guess the implied question there is that when the market's high, do we, like, do we always look to buy something which is in the bottom quartile? So it's like the cutoff rises and falls with the market. So it's always maybe 30% below, but I haven't tested that. I don't know. It's a Mm. thought. It's good musing. Mm. The reason why I haven't tested it though is we always have stuff to buy when the market's up or down. There's always, you know, 50 to 100 stocks on the list. So that's has worked. I haven't I'm not saying that making it a ratio of the market average wouldn't work better, but I just haven't tested it. Oh, that's an interesting one. Mm. Thank you, Stephen. Lumber Tony is back. Lumber's back. Yeah. Lumber's back to being a buy, which means that Midway, which was taken off the buy list, MWY is now back on. And I guess a couple of points here. I'm not really sure if lumber is the right commodity for Midway, which is more of a it's basically a pulp mill business. So it's plantation timber, and then the, the logs are felled and put through the mill, and then pulp is exported overseas, I guess usually for making paper out of and cardboard. Uh, so but lumber was the only wooden sort of timber product I could find. But I think um, we took Midway off when the, the lumber commodity went into a sell, and now it's bounced back into a buy. I think Midway's been going up the whole time, so... There isn't the kind of normal correlation I see between the stock and the commodity with this one, so which makes me think that lumber might not be the right commodity for, for midway. Right. Is there a but toilet way, paper it's, commodity it's back on. index? <laughs> Did well during COVID. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, sales went up. No, there isn't. <laughs> Tell me about your changes to the owner-founder check in the spreadsheet. Yeah, so I can't remember the stock a couple of weeks ago, but um, when we were going through comparing our buy lists, uh, I had one that wasn't on the list and it was because the the CEO and board owned 10% of the stock and the check in the spreadsheet was looking for greater than 10%. Right. So uh, I just made it greater or equal to 10%, taking into account that 10% is a good enough ownership to qualify for that, uh, that QAV metric score. I should uh, check the AF sheet. Yeah. So it's column CG if people want to adjust it themselves, and that's in the um, the download part of tab of my um, spreadsheet. I'm not sure what's in the Flipman model. I'm looking at his global parameters. It's five percent. Wow. <laughs> when did it? Greater than ten. <laughs> well, well he lies the me, problem uh, of having different models. This is going to happen. Well, I think when Andrew built his, it was based on yours. So did you change yours at some stage? No, it's always been 10, as far as I can remember. I'm going to just check and see what it says in the Bible. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's where the mistake is. I don't think there's a mistake. It's just a difference. I think, I well, think I've referred to it as being 5 to 10% in the past when we've spoken about it, but it's a hard code, mm. 10% in the checklist. The Bible says 5. Really? Yeah, 5 or greater. Okay. So I should change that to 10? Well, let's just talk about it. If, if the board only holds 5%, is that enough to, to give it a score? I think it probably should be 10 myself. That's what I've got in my model. Yeah? Yeah, I think 10. 
At least 10, 10. so greater, greater or equal to 10. Okay. Well, note people using the Flipman sheet that mm-hmm. you should go into the global parameters tab right up the top where there's a little section called hurdles and row 10 it is. Owner found a shareholder percentage, change that five to a 10 and that should uh, do the job. It'll just flow through the rest of the sheet. And maybe have a look to see if Andrew's doing greater than or greater than than equal to 10 as well. If holding of all directors is greater than, score it. Yeah, okay. So we want to change it in QAV score tab, column AE. I might just get Andrew to check that, mm-hmm. make sure that I'm not doing something wrong. Sure. Andrew, if you're listening, can you just check that code and uh, tell me if that should be changed? Thank you, Andrew. I'll email you as well. All right, copper. Yeah, copper's a buy again. Really? Sell. Yep. It became a sell and then it's spiked up again. I guess people are getting bullish on the opening after COVID, which was the initial reason why copper went up. And now it's, then it came down when the winter struck the Northern Hemisphere and COVID came back and now it's going back up again. It's a buy again. Anyway, that brings C6C and Samfire Resources back onto our top scorers list. Yeah, got to update my C6C. Good stuff. Do we still have them in uh, our portfolio? No, they were sold when copper became a sale. They were sold. Yeah, right. That was a corker one for us. It was, wasn't it? it? Yeah. Okay, so SFR, is that one of your stocks of the week or your stock of the week? It is the only one, yeah. My stock of the week. Do you want to go through it now? Yeah. Yeah. Tell me what you got. So Samfire Resources, SFR, been on the buy list for a long time. It came off when copper was a sell. It's back on now. Copper is a buy. A little bit of background to it. It would be close to the largest copper miner in Australia already, but um, it's just undertaken a big acquisition overseas, which will pretty much double the size of the, of the company. So if it wasn't before the acquisition, it, it certainly will be after the acquisition, the biggest copper miner listed on the ASX. And probably one of the biggest ones in the world, I would think. So it's been around for a while. It, had a, it has a copper mine in Australia called the Grusser. And it's always been cheap to buy as a stock Samfire for a long time because everyone uh, had known that the Grusser was a, has a limited mine life. I think it's only got about a year left before it becomes uneconomical to keep mining copper from it. So there's been a lot of exploration in the area around the Grusser mine to look for ways to extend it. But unfortunately, that hasn't come to fruition. And so Samfire Resource Management has taken the decision to invest in overseas copper mines instead. And so they've bought into one in, they've bought into three now overseas, one in the US. They don't completely own it 100%. I think they've got about 87% of a mine called Black Butt, B-U-T-T-E, Black Butt in the US. They bought into one earlier this year in the Kalahari in Botswana called the Mothio, M-O-T-H-E-O. And they've really bet the farm on a deal with um, a Spanish company to buy a mine called Matsa, M-A-T-S-A, in Spain. So they know that they can't um, expand in Australia through the Grasa, so they've been expanding overseas. They did a, a big capital raise for the Matsa purchase, and, and that depressed the share price um, because as we no, um, the capital raises dilute the current shareholders and the share price has to be discounted to take that into account. And so the share price dropped a 
a buck, a buck fifty, maybe even two dollars from when they end that. Although it's turned up and, and it's the share price is increasing again now. So either people have time to digest the Matza acquisition and are happy with it, or they're just following our sort of thinking, which is that copper is, is um, now an increasing commodity again. And uh, basically, Samphire is going to you know, pretty much double its exposure to copper at a time when it's increasing. So it's, it's not a bad bet from a commodity play. But let me go through the numbers, the QAV numbers anyway. And these are based on results which hit Stock Doctor during the week, or maybe the week before, but are very recent. And they don't include the capital raising or the the numbers that will come from the Matza acquisition. So I just want to stress that this is the, the current company. And I'm going to do my analysis based on that because we don't have others to look at. In six months' time, we will have combined numbers or people, if they want to do their own work and they, they really want to get into the nuts and bolts, they, they can go and look at the um, announcements and, and adjust the figures based on what, what we call the pro forma numbers that, that uh, Samfire have released about how the acquisition will perform um, and how it will affect uh, Samfire as a company going forward. But I'm using the current numbers. The first thing to note is that Samfire is a large ADT company and its uh, average daily trade is $6.5 million. So it would suit all sorts of investors. The, the yield is, is high, so it's currently yielding 5.28%. Again, would suit people who are looking for income either to service a mortgage or to live off or to obtain the franking credit. So that gets a, a tick on our checklist. It's a very cheap price to operate in cash flow of 2.44 and a low PE of 6.7 at the share price of $6.02, which it was this morning when I did the analysis. But again, bear in mind that this is um, this may change with the Matza numbers. I haven't done the pro forma analysis, but the current ones are certainly very cheap. The uh, current price is below consensus target and stock doctor IV, so it scores well there. It's a borderline star stock, so it scores a 0.5 on our checklist for that. And it has strong financial health and steady financial health, which is good. IV2, for my calculation, is $14.28. So the current share price is less than half of that. So it scores a, a point for that for us. It's also less than the book plus the 30, which is $6.20. And the current share price as of this morning was $6.02, so another point. It doesn't score on the growth metrics because the forecast growth was down 3%. And that kind of makes sense because we know that the, crust, the Grusser mine is uh, starting to get to the end of its life. Um, however, um, that number will change when the Matsa numbers um, get incorporated into the forecast numbers. So we're a bit early on that call yet, but currently it doesn't score. Directors only own 2% of the stock, so it doesn't score for owner-founder. does have a record low uh, PE for the last six halves and consistently increasing equity. So I get a quality score of 89% and a QAV score of 0.37, which um, puts this large cap stock, large ADT stock, right up there on the buy list at the moment. So that's why I'm calling it out as stock of the week. I guess with the caveat that um, once we have Matsa numbers, that might change, but certainly on, on the current numbers, it's worth investigating. Well, that's the end of the free episode for this week. Uh, the premium episode went for about another um, half an hour, 40 minutes. 
On that, we talk about Platinum being a buy again, uh, why Tony sold HLS and bought NAB recently. WGX is back on our list. IKW is off the list. Uh, we talk about precious metals forecasting, regression testing Tony's portfolio, finding a sell line for stocks that don't have five years of price history, the process of price setting on the ASX prior to the opening time, and how Stock Doctor calculate their sell prices. So if you're brand new to the show, uh, just know that there's a free episode and a premium episode each week. The premium episode runs longer and, and people get to uh, ask questions that Tony answers on the show. If you want to check out our premium episodes and the rest of the club member benefits, getting access to the checklist and our dinners and our live Zoom calls and, and many other things, go up to the website, register for the two-week free trial, qavpodcast.com.au, register up there. And check out all of the extras that we have and see if you think it'll be right for you, if it'll help you in your investing. Otherwise, keep listening to the free episodes for as long as you like. That's cool with us. Hope you have a good week. Stay safe wherever you are. Uh, Good luck with your investing. We'll be back next week. The QAV podcast is a production of Spacecraft Publishing Proprietary Limited, authorised representative of AFSL 520442, AFS representative number 00129217182. Please don't make any investment decisions based solely on listening to this podcast. This is presented as general advice only, not personal financial advice. We don't know your personal financial circumstances. Please see a financial planner before making any investing decisions.